There's a popular saying, the sky's the limit. World War I put this saying to the literal test as the air war rages throughout the war. Hi, my name is Joseph Campbell, and this is my podcast. On December 17, 1903, the Wright brothers took off in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, with the first successful heavier-than-air aircraft in history. This would cause a technological upspiral for the history of aircraft. The Italians used balloons and aircraft to help defeat the Ottoman Empire in the Italo-Turkish War from 1911 to 1912. The U.S. and Britain used airplanes for circus performances. The French has Louis, Louis Blériot, sorry if I pronounced the name, to fly across the English Channel. And Friedrich Zeppelin made the gu- airship for Germany and used it to first scare tactics against Britain even before the war began. When World War I began, most of the airplanes were used for reconnaissance and were unarmed. It was pretty common for two pilots of opposite sides to just wave at each other, take their photographs, and fly home, possibly waving at the rival again. It's important to note that navigation tools were very simplistic, like school atlases and local road maps. Sometimes pilots had to land their planes in fields to stop and ask for directions, or fly their planes low enough to quickly see the signs by train stations. It should also be noted that airplanes were starting to replace the cavalry as the main role of reconnaissance. A notable use for this recon was when General Alexander von Gluck planned to surround John French's BEF near the Marne River. When British planes detected the movements of the Germans and warned French, he decided a strategic withdrawal across the Marne that would save his forces, and he was grateful for the pilots and their aircraft for this discovery that could have destroyed the entire expedition force. Also, planes were used to help coordinate with artillery strikes. This was notable in 1915, where four British planes were used to help monitor Servan and Mercy direct fire on German cruiser Königsberg, sinking it in the Rufiji River in Africa. Eventually, pilots were given pistols or rifles to shoot down the opposing planes so information wouldn't be given to the foe. This is how the idea of dogfighting originated. What pilots really wanted in their planes was machine guns to defend themselves with, especially for the observer to use. Eventually, this was even more asked for the pilot to put the machine gun in front of him so he can aim his machine gun by aiming his airplane at the enemy. But there was an obvious problem. The machine gun's bullets would hit the propeller blades with obvious results. The British and French usually used pusher planes, planes with propellers and engines behind the pilot and observer so they can fire forward and clear jams. However, this design is very slow compared to the tractor design where the propeller is in front of the pilot. The French had a pilot named Roland Garros who used metal wedges on the blades so the bullets would deflect from the propeller if they were hit. He was successful in shooting down several German airplanes and showed a brief time of Allied air superiority. A few weeks later, Garros was shot down, most likely from the deflected bullets of his own plane, and he and his plane were captured. His plane was sent to a Dutch aircraft designer named Anthony Fokker. Due to the German ammunition not working for the wedge design, he comes up with a synchronization gear, also known as an interrupter gear. This mechanism stops the machine gun from firing while the propeller is in the way. This design gives the German Eindecke, or monoplane, a huge edge in German superiority and created an event known as the Fokker Scourge. The Scourge ended once the Allied managed to make planes that can counter the German fighter like the Newport 17 and the British DH-2 pusher plane. While fighters were improving as the war went on, the ideas of both tactical and strategic bombing were still under development. Most bombs in the early part of World War I were just grenades thrown in the, from the cockpit. This would eventually turn into hand-thrown aerial bombs with the delayed time fuse rather than just grenades. 
And the idea of tactical bombing was more used in the beginning in 1917 until the end of the war, and some planes were built to be ground attack planes, which would be called fighter bombers after the war. The strategic bombing was at first done by the Germans using the highly feared Zeppelins. They were first used in Liege in, Liege in August of 1914 and on Antwerp in September of 1914. They later were notable for bombing London, which may have not produced many casualties, but had a huge psychological effect. At first, they were pretty much invincible, with it flying too high for anti-aircraft fire and the armaments of fighters not being able to do much against it. Eventually, the British made the Buckingham bullet, an incendiary bullet filled with phosphorus which made an explosion reaction to the Zeppelin's hydrogen cells. The first Zeppelin was destroyed by William Robinson over the north end of London. The Germans later used giant bombers known as Gotha bombers. Like the Zeppelins, they didn't produce many casualties, but it left a psychological message to the public. But these were easier to shoot down with the aircraft, and the British made their own version to bomb Germany with. So they weren't all that effective. When the Americans entered the war in 1917 and into the front lines in 1918, the American forces led by Jack Black, Blackjack Pershing, my bad, went to attack the St. Mihiel salient an area occupied German, the Germans since the beginning of the war. The plan is to coordinate an all-out assault with artillery, infantry, tanks, interesting led enough by General, or soon-to-be General George S. Patton, and airplanes led by Lieutenant Colonel Billy Mitchell. Within four days, the Americans captured St. Mihiel, and air support starts to become a whole new philosophy on how war will be fought in the future. As Billy Mitchell put it, quote, The day has passed when the armies on the ground or navies on the sea, can be the arbiter of a nation's destiny in war. The main power of defense and the power of initiative against an enemy has passed to the air. End quote. Thanks for listening, and for next time, I'll be talking about the pilot's life and was like, and a name a few famous aces of the war. You all have a good day. See you next time.